Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Amen. Amen. Good to see you. Stand up with me, would you? You look great. Pastor Dave and Pastor Greg, thank you for letting me be here. I love you guys. And uh, what great things the Lord has done. I like your new place. It's really nice. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for all he's doing. And uh, are you glad you're here this morning? How many of you are glad you're here? How many of you would rather be here than in jail? Let me see your hand. Amen. You know, that's where I got saved. I wasn't raised in church. My mom was a bartender. And when I was a little boy, my mom quit serving alcohol to men and began to serve herself to men. And I grew up very angry and very frustrated. I didn't know God. I didn't care anything about God. I thought church was for people who were weak. And I found out that's true. Amen. As a matter of fact, Jesus will never do anything powerful in your life until you come to the point where you realize, Lord, I, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm weak. I'm broken. And what I'm praying today is that in the life of every young person in the room, in the life of every mom and dad, every single adult, all of us, that the Spirit of God would be poured out upon our life individually and then collectively as Life Church in such a powerful way, listen to me, it's not just preacher talk, that we would never be the same again. Amen. If you want that, lift your hands toward heaven and let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room I pray first of all for myself. Lord, I need a fresh touch of the fire and the power of heaven on my own life. Lord, I want to live in total dependence upon you. I don't ever want to get this whole thing about ministry figured out. And Lord, I pray for every member of this church, every guest, every person watching online, Lord, I pray for those who have never said yes to Jesus, that today they would go home a different person, a different young lady, a different young man. And then I pray for all those of us who know you. Many of us have known you for years, and yet, Lord, our soul is dry. And we go through the motions and come to church, and we do love you. And yet, Lord, when we read the book of Acts, we're so convicted Lord, I pray that you would do something in our hearts today. Fill us with the Holy Ghost afresh and use us, Lord, to make a difference in this world. And we promise to give you all the glory because we pray it in the name, say that name, church, Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus, one more time. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, Amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. It's wonderful to be here. I just want to say very briefly, thank you for helping us. Gina and I live in West Africa, 
And we work among Muslims. The northern part of Ghana is 90% Muslim, 5% traditionalist. And we would call those practitioners of, of what we would call voodoo in our culture. And then only 5% of the people are Christians of any kind. Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, Charismatic. And God has called us to go there and reach those people for Christ. And you're helping me. So when I go, we all go together. Amen? And so thank you for investing in the lives of people that you probably will never see this side of eternity. And yet they'll come to know Christ because of your generosity and your prayer. And I'm just so grateful for you. I thank God for you. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Acts, would you? It's really Luke volume two. I don't know what that was, but I like it. Amen. It's Luke volume two, because Luke writes his gospel, and then he really just continues his gospel in what we call the book of Acts, and some of your Bibles say the Acts of the Apostles, and I guess that's a good title. I know where it came from, but it was not part of the original text. I like to call the book of Acts the continuing Acts of Jesus carried out by the Holy Spirit through the life of the church led by the apostles. Isn't that a good title, but it's too long so they didn't use it. So we'll just call it the Acts of the Apostles. Now, how did the gospel get from a relatively obscure town in the middle of an obscure nation, Jerusalem in Israel, to us, they're a big deal because we read the Bible and we know the story of Jesus. But in the first century, Jerusalem was thought to be a backwater town in an irrelevant and a kind of obscure part of the world, a little strip of land 50 miles wide by 150 miles long. And it was nothing compared to the might of the Roman Empire and all of the Greco-Roman world of that day. And yet the gospel, this good news, the message of what God had done for the whole world in and through the person of Jesus Christ began to spread until it got to a jail cell in Fort Worth, Texas, until it got to Reno, Nevada, where you came to know Christ or wherever you're from, until it got to, to the nation, the of Ghana, where I live, and all the continent of Africa, and really there's not a continent on the face of the earth where the gospel that's populated at least, where the gospel has not made a great impact to the glory of God. But how did this happen? Well, that's what Luke wants to tell us about in his second volume, the book of Acts. And I want to suggest to you at least three ways, at least three means and vehicles that God used to get the gospel all over the world. The gospel begins as a message that's primarily for Jews in Israel, in Jerusalem, but by the time you get to the book of Acts, the gospel has made headway through all of the Greco-Roman world, through Asia Minor, all the way to the capital of the Roman Empire, the city of Rome, and even made inroads into the household of Caesar himself. As a matter of fact, most Bible scholars believe 
that the man who is, who is uh, named in the first verse of Luke's gospel and in the first verse of the, of the book of Acts, Theophilus was a part of Caesar's own household and that the name Theophilus was kind of a, a code name. The name literally, Theos, means God, and Philos means love, Philadelphia, the city of love, and so Theophilus means the one who loves God. He had become a Christian, and he had great influence, and so Luke is laying out the progress of Christianity, the movement of this way. They call the early Christians followers of the way because Jesus said, I am the way. And so Luke is laying this out. Now, I think there are three things that we need to take note of. So take a pen or a pencil or lipstick or mascara, whatever you got, amen, and take out a piece of paper and write these things down. Number one, the disciples had had an experience. Write the word experience. They had had an experience Man, it's dry out here. <laughs> that forever changed their life. Now look right here for just a moment. It was not primarily the teaching ministry of Jesus. Now listen to me, look at me. No doubt that Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived, amen. I mean, all you gotta do is read the Sermon on the Mount and it'll rock your world. He spoke with such authority that great crowds would show up to hear him anytime he was in their area. He was a great teacher, but it was not primarily the teaching ministry of Jesus that changed the lives of his earliest followers because most of the time when Jesus taught, they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. They would get together after he had spoken and say, man, what, what is the master talking about? And why does he tell these stories? And we don't understand. What do you mean a sower went out to sow seed? What does that mean? Even when he talked about his own resurrection, they got together and they said, what, what, what does he mean, resurrection? And so it wasn't primarily the teaching ministry. Let me say something else. It wasn't primarily the cross his death on the cross, as indispensable as that is to propitiate the wrath of a just and holy God, to make atonement for our sin, to make forgiveness and reconciliation possible. It was not the cross that changed the lives of his earliest followers because they all ran and hid for fear. And they thought that the cross meant the end of Jesus. And they were all in a room huddled together, afraid that what the religious bureaucrats and the empire colluding together had done to their master, they would do it to them. Matter of fact, Peter said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you, and now their hopes were dashed because Jesus was dead. And so it wasn't the cross, and it wasn't the teaching that radicalized these fishermen and these common men from Israel. What was it that changed their life? What experience did they have that marked them so that they would never be the same? Here it is, watch this. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, amen. As a matter of fact, the men who knew that he died, 
And you remember it was only a teenager named John and some women, a former prostitute, and Jesus' mother who stayed faithful all the way to the end. And then they had seen him come alive and 500 people at one time along with many, many other. That's what Luke says. That's how he begins Acts. Look at this. He says, the first book, he's talking about the gospel of Luke, Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now look at this, verse three. After his suffering, after the cross, he presented himself, what's the next word? Alive, say it out loud, alive. Say it one more time, alive. Jesus is alive, amen. He's like, that's why I have good news for Muslims because, because Muhammad was a man who lived and taught and then he died and he was buried and his tomb is still in Mecca and they go on pilgrimage every year to commemorate the life and death of a dead man. Muhammad lived and died, but Jesus is not a man who lived and died. He's a man who died and now he lives, amen. Jesus Christ is alive. And when they met the living Savior, their life was forever changed. They would never be the same after encountering the living Christ. Amen. Now let me ask you a question. Have you met the living Christ? Because Christianity is not primarily about coming to church. This is a great church, but this church does not have the power to change your life. Amen. Pastor Dave's a great man of God, great Bible teacher, but there's not a preacher in the world that can make a new creation out of you, but Jesus can, amen? And so Jesus is not primarily about creeds, not primarily about church. He is alive, and what he offers you is a living relationship that will make you come alive, and that's what happened to me, man. I went into a jail cell in Texas, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a criminal. I went in one way, and when I left that place, I was a brand new creation in Christ Jesus because Jesus is alive, amen. That's the good news. That's the good news. Christ is risen. So they had an experience with the living, risen Jesus. And then looking back through the prism of the resurrection, everything else began to fall into place and make sense. All of his teaching began to make sense. Even the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, they began to see Jesus on every page of their Old Testament scriptures. His birth began to make sense, supernaturally conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. His death for our sins began to make sense. And so they had something to proclaim to their culture. Number two, not only did they have an experience with the living Christ, but they were, giving, they were given marching orders. They, were, they had a command to fulfill. They had a commission to fulfill. Now we call that commission, say it, the Great Commission. Say it out loud, the Great Commission. Go, amen. Say it out loud, go. You can't even spell the word gospel without the two letters G-O because there is no gospel if we don't go, amen. amen. And so they gave 
he gave, Jesus gave his earliest followers a direct command. Matter of fact, the last thing that we know that Jesus ever talked to them about was going. Matter of fact, you see it right here in Acts chapter number one, verse number eight. Look, but you will receive power. You will receive dunamis. We get our word dynamite. There's an explosive power. And after you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when he has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. Amen. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you witnessed to anybody? Now, come on, church. It's one thing to get in this room and sing about how much we love Jesus and enjoy sermons and hug the necks of our friends and then leave this place. Man, Reno, Nevada, I've been here many times. I've learned something about Reno. There ain't no shortage on sinners in Reno. Amen. Or in Texas, or in Ghana, people are lost. People are lost. I want to ask you a question. Does that bother you? Does it bother you that when you got in your car this morning and came to the church, your next door neighbor came out to mow his grass or play catch in his front yard with this little boy and they don't ever go to church and they're not interested in church and you've waved to him and you've had small talk with him but you've never taken the time to be a witness to tell him to tell her of what Christ has done in you now they know you go to church that might be the only thing well you know they're church people God help us deliver us from church people amen some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life go to church every Sunday, amen. They usually said about, right, you better move over, amen. They usually said just, you know, they, they have their seat where they sit. They've been sitting there, not in this church, but in the church I was at last Sunday, I guarantee you, amen. I mean, they've been there. They got a face so long, it looks like they could stand straight-legged and lick buttermilk out of a gopher hoe and never move an inch, amen. I mean, miserable, sit, soaking sour, always causing problems in the church, always gossiping, always negative, always critical. Sometimes when I see people like that, I want to say, brother, stand up and lead us in a word of criticism, amen? I mean, because that's all that they have to say. Church people, that's not what God's called us to be. Man, if you've met Jesus, if Jesus is real in you, if he lives inside of you, if you know that he's risen from the dead, then we have no other option. We must go tell. Amen. And Jesus said, you'll receive power to go tell. When the Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. I like what that great South African evangelist, have you ever read his work? God used him in such a great way. And he said there are two kinds of Christians. His name was Andrew Murray. He said two kinds of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. When's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? I mean, let, let me, come on, church. Is Jesus real to you outside of the four walls of this building? I like the name of this church, Life Church. But do you have any life once you've left the parking lot of Life Church, because the game is not in here. Amen. This is not the game. This is the pep rally. This is the pep rally. 
This is a place to be encouraged, to be equipped, to be motivated. The game starts in the morning. When you go to work with that guy at your office, and you know he's hung over from a weekend of partying, trying to find something worth living for, and he uses God's name in vain, and blows cigarette breath all in your face, and you know he's lost, that's the game, game on, amen. Come on church, game on. The game's not inside the church, the game's outside. And Jesus has given us a great commission. It ought to be called the great omission in most of our churches. And I thank God for Life Church, and I understand the church has been blessed, and God is moving, and the church is growing, but I want to challenge you. Listen to me. God did not call us. He called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of an aquarium. Amen. And most Christians in America, they just like to hang around the aquarium. Oh, we talk about it and sing about it, but we don't do anything about it. And so they had a commission, the great commission, go. You know, I'm a missionary, but I've been a missionary from the day I walked out of a jail cell in, in, in Fort Worth. I couldn't help it, amen. I had to tell somebody. They said, man, what happened to you? And I had to tell them, amen. Somebody I witnessed to not long ago, it's not always easy to be a witness I think some of us are afraid. We don't, we're not very confrontational in our culture unless it's about politics, something that really doesn't matter. Amen. You think in a million years it's going to matter whether you were red or blue, a donkey or an elephant. That's not going to matter. There's only two things that are going to matter a million years from now, the word of God and the souls of men. Amen. And if you're living your life for anything else, you're living your life for money and materialism, and you're not going to take it with you. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, amen? I mean, you're not going to take anything with you. It's all going to be right here. The only thing that's going to matter is did you love Jesus with all your heart, and did you love people? And so Jesus gave marching orders that have not changed to the church not just to the church corporately, but to every individual member. of the, How many of you are a part of this church and you're saved and if you died right now, you know you'd go to heaven? Let me see your hand. You know you're saved. You know, then listen to me. You are under direct orders from the King of Kings to go tell other people what Jesus has done in your life and if you don't do it, the Bible says you're gonna have the blood of your next door neighbor and your coworker and your classmate and the people that you know, your family, members who have never met Jesus. And sometimes, I know it's not easy. Man, people are, they're, they're getting hostile. I went to Walmart. Y'all got Walmart up here? Yeah, we got them everywhere in Texas. I was in Walmart not long ago, and there was a lady that was, obviously, she couldn't find what she was looking for, and I said, you look like that you, you, you need to find something. You, there's something you came here to get, and you can't find it, and she said, that's right, and I said, you know, we're all looking for something. We're looking for something that'll give us peace and joy and love on the inside, and you know, I found that something, and she said, what aisle was it on, amen, and I said, well, it's not on an aisle. It's Jesus, and I just started talking to her. I was being loving and sweet, and she 
she looked at me, mean mugged me, and said, you need, you just, why don't you just go to hell? And I said, I can't, I'm saved, amen. I can't go home with you, amen. I mean, I'm saved and Jesus has changed my life. But we're afraid. Fear not, amen. Say it out loud, fear not. Fear not. I live in an area the country above us is called Burkina Faso. They're murdering Christians just for being Christians. They're burning down their church buildings. They're persecuting them. And I've met some of those people. You know what? They have more joy. It's supernatural. They love Jesus. They've lost everything that sometimes in the West we count as so important. They've lost all those things, and yet they haven't lost the main thing. The main thing is Jesus, amen? Where's your joy at? There's no joy like the joy of being a soul winner. The Bible says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. The joy is in bringing other people to Christ. See, if my joy is in my money and the stock market goes down, inflation goes up, and I lose all my money, I've lost my joy. If my joy is in my house and my house burns down, I've lost my joy. If my joy is in my wife, and I love my wife, we've been married 34 years this week, got four kids and three beautiful grandchildren, two and one on the way. But if my joy is in Gina and something happens to Gina, then my joy is gone. But if my joy is in Jesus, he will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. He's always with us. So they experienced the living Jesus. It wasn't just religion. They had plenty of religion in their culture. They had marching orders from the commander-in-chief. The last thing he said was, go tell Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always. By the way, that promise, I'll be with you always, applies to those who are going and making disciples. But there was still something necessary, and that's what I want to talk to you about. All that was just free, amen. This is really what I want to talk to you about. And I'm not going to preach much longer. I'll tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband. I won't keep you long. Just listen for a few moments. Some of you kids ask grandma about Elizabeth Taylor. You get home. Now listen to me, Life Church. Lean in for just a minute or two. Here's what Jesus said to 12 men, one one was a turncoat and hung himself. The rest were just ordinary guys. I mean, these were not people who had been to seminary. These were not people who were highly educated. Matter of fact, they were ridiculed for being uneducated, unlearned, unschooled men. And there were women. They followed Jesus. They ministered financially to his knees. His mom was a part of this crowd. Jesus told them to do something, listen to me, that in the natural was impossible for them to do. He looked at these 
rough guys. One of them was a part of a group called the Zealots. They were insurrectionists. They tried to overthrow the Roman government. Some of them were fishermen. It's a good thing that Jesus called them into the ministry because every time you read about them fishing, they never caught anything. They were gonna go bankrupt being fishermen, amen. They were not successful businessmen. They were just plain people like us. And Jesus gave them an order. Go change the world. Start right here where you are in this backwater town in a insignificant in terms of the Greco-Roman world and go change the world. And they must have thought, what? I mean, Jesus, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, after all, You've, you've risen from the dead. Matter of fact, they even asked him a question. Look at this. They said, Jesus, is this the time? Look at verse number six. Jesus, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to, I mean, I mean, listen, man, all you gotta do, they know that you were dead and, and you've been hanging out with us 40 days and talking to us about the kingdom of God, but why don't we go, why don't, I got an idea, Jesus, why don't we go and you, 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 the son of God, bring the armies from heaven down and establish the kingdom of God on earth. You do it, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you do it. I'm gonna ask and I'm going to require, and I'm going to empower you to do something that is not possible in the natural. And by the way, church, that's exactly what Jesus has called us to do today. Amen. Let God use you to change your office. You say, none of them believe in God. That's all right. Let God use you to change the climate of your office. Let God use you to change your high school. Let God use you to change the community in which you live, your neighborhood. Listen, Life Church, you're not here just to have services on Sunday. Jesus has said, get up in the power of the Holy Spirit and change this whole city for the glory of God. Amen. Do you believe that could happen? Well, the disciples said, Lord, if you're not gonna bring the kingdom now, by the way, they, they wanted to get into some theological kind of uh, uh, speculation, you know, about end time events. I've never seen more Christians in my life so preoccupied with this must be the end. We're living in the last days. Well, we've been living in the last days since Acts chapter two, when God said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, amen. Besides all that, Jesus has never called us to be preoccupied with his coming. He's called us to occupy until he comes. We've got a job to do. Jesus said this gospel will be preached to the world for a witness. And then after you have done, church, what I have commanded and empowered you to do, then the end will come. Man, most Christians in America are just sitting around on our blessed assurance waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down out of heaven and take us out of this mess. And Jesus said, I want you to get up and go change this mess. Amen. Not through politics. That's blown up in our face. God forgive us. 
The world has no answer for the problems that we face in this country. The answer is Jesus, amen. About, about two of y'all believe that. I said the answer is Jesus, amen. It's the answer. So Jesus said, I know I've given you this commission and no, this is not the time when I'm gonna come with the armies of heaven. I've got a job for you to do. And here's how I'm gonna help you do it. Look at this, verse number five. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with in by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, these people were already indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They were born again. They believed that Jesus died and rose from the dead. It all made sense. And Jesus appeared to them. You remember John chapter 20? Breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, their dead spirit came alive and they were born again. And yet they still lack something. They lack something. They lack the power that comes as a result of having the Holy Spirit poured out upon your life. And I really believe that that's what we need in this church. I'm not talking about weird experiences, although I've had a bunch of them. But it's not about weird experiences. It's not about speaking in tongues, although I speak in tongues. It's not about laying hands on the sick, and they, although I've seen miracles here and in Africa. It's not about casting out demons. Those things are just the ancillaries to the main thing. The main thing is when you, woo, when you get empty of yourself and your pride and your ambition and your bitterness, and you're desperate for power to be a witness. God, I'm surrounded by a culture that is dark, and I watch the news, and Lord, what is going on? I mean, four shootings in 10 days, and our, what is going on? And instead of blaming some politician or trying to get ramped up for the next, you get on your face and say, God, I need your power on my life. I thought about that kid down in Uvalde. Killed all those students. I've been to Uvalde. I preached in Uvalde. You know what I thought? I wonder if anybody at his high school ever talked to him about Jesus. I wonder if there was a spirit-filled, powerful church that said, we, we're going to make it hard for people in this city to go to hell. We're going to be on fire. We're going to tell everybody about Jesus. I wonder if there was a church like that. Man, I grew up six blocks from a Southern Baptist church. I lived in an area of town called the Dog Patch. As far as I know, nobody ever came and knocked on our front door of a little screen door with an unpainted shotgun house and asked my single mama who was prostituting herself, why don't you come to our church? Won't you bring your little son and two 
daughters. I have two half-sisters. They never knew their dad. As far as I know, nobody from that church ever came and invited my mama to church. And I've often wondered what a difference it might have made in her life, in my life, in my sister's life, if somebody would have just been full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Aren't you sick and tired of this nominal, weak need experience? There's more to it than just you going to heaven. God wants heaven to come into you so that everywhere you go, you just smile and say, Jesus, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is alive. Jesus changed my life. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can help you with the problems that you're, amen. If you want that in your life, stand up. If you want that in your life, stand up. All the backsliders just stay seated. Man, I'm serious. Church, it's time to quit messing around. People are dying and going to hell. Not just in Africa. You don't have to go across the sea to be a missionary. Why don't you just start out by going across the street and just saying, hey, I'm your neighbor. I, I live over here, and I, I'm sorry that I've never gotten a chance to meet you, but my name's Scott, and I, I just want to know if there's any way I can pray for you. Times are hard, man. Inflation's high. People are scared. I just wanted to pray for you and your family. Would that be all right? You know, I've done that. I did it at a restaurant yesterday. I've done it hundreds of times. Nobody has ever said, no, you can't pray for me. People know they need help. Amen. Church, this is the time to shine for Jesus. This is the time. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, hands are lifted. Why don't you pray this simple prayer to the Lord Jesus, fill me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it quiet. It doesn't matter. The Lord can hear you. Just say, Jesus, fill me. I know, Holy Spirit, that you live within me, but I want you to come upon me. I need power. I want to be a witness. I want you to use me. I want our church to win the city to Jesus. I don't want to just be another church on another corner, in another city, in another state, in America. I don't want to just grow because people are mad at their last pastor, so they came here and they'll be mad at Pastor David. Give them six months, they'll be at another church. Just hopping around from this place to, I pray that God will use Life Church. Father, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters. God, I pray you'd baptize them. Jesus, baptize them in the Holy Ghost and fire and power and set them on fire to be witnesses, bold witnesses. Why don't you pray, Lord, make me a bold witness. Pray it right now. Say it out loud. Lord, make me a bold witness. Lord, remove fear from my life. Lord, give me courage. Lord, help me to hear your voice, the voice of the Spirit. And when you show me somebody to talk to, fill me and help me to go and talk to them. Father, I pray for life, church. Lord, you've blessed this church, but this is the hymn of the, this is nothing. It's scratching the surface of hundreds of thousands of people in this place that need Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would raise a new passion 
God help them never lose their dependency upon you, the burning fire within them to make a difference in the world. Use them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Just say, fill me, Jesus. Say it. Say, fill me, Jesus. Do it, Lord, for your glory. Because we can't do anything without you. We've tried and we've failed. We need your power. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now look at me and listen to me. The next time you're at Walmart or you're at Starbucks getting your Christian crack, amen, that's what I do every day. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy Spirit speaks, amen, not just through the Bible, primarily through the Bible, but he speaks in many ways. And the next time the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, see that man over there? Go talk to him. And the Holy Spirit, get up and faith it, amen? Don't fake it, faith it. Say, all right, Lord. If I don't do this, I know I'm in trouble with you. So Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. So I pray you'd give me, and just go over there and just smile. I mean, that's the first step. Everybody look at somebody and just smile. Amen. Even if, even if you're from Arkansas and you ain't got but two teeth. Amen. Just smile. Sometimes I just smile and I say, Jesus, Jesus loves you. Say, What'd you say? I said, Jesus loves you. And I've seen people begin to break down and weep and cry at the mention of the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying life church will live up to your name. And I'm praying you'll leave here today so full of the Holy Ghost that if a mosquito bit you, he'd fly away singing there's power in the blood. Amen. I mean filled with the Holy Spirit. I love you. God bless you, church. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.